Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Grassroots Government. I'm Carl Wiggers here with Andy Brown, Kristen Oaks-White, Joe Mapes, and Vanith Eingar, who's with the, gov- the governor's office. You're yeah, kind of in so the governor's I, office. Yeah, so What's I that? lead um, Connect LA, which is the governor's efforts around broadband development and connectivity. Broadband. So that's that's an issue that we've talked about in, in, in Farm Bureau for a while in rural Louisiana that comes up a lot. You know, Andy, we've discussed, Andy and Joe, on on the grassroots government episodes before about infrastructure and how that's kind of been a big buzzword and broadband is one of those things that gets roped into that and not to get into stances and where farm bureau is or where uh, the governor's office is or where connect LA is standing on this. But one of those, I mean, that's, it's a, it's an issue that affects farmers, non-farmers, rural Louisiana, uh, everybody, you know, in Louisiana. So, I guess let's set that up, Andy, Joe, Kristen, Vanith. Like, yeah. how, where, where, Vanith? I guess where are we at in Louisiana as it goes to connectivity? Like, I guess can you bring us up to speed on, like, how yeah. connected is Louisiana? Yeah. So, well, first of all, thrilled to be here. Um, I like to all, you know, often um, start with what we've done over the last couple of years. You know, we've not been reactive to just the broadband challenges that exist in the state because of the pandemic. Um, If you start to really trace back our efforts in closing this whole digital divide in Louisiana, it really started around two years ago around this time when the governor um, created through an executive order, the Broadband for Everyone in Louisiana Commission. And so that commission, which was created months before the pandemic, before broadband became the buzzword, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Similar to PPE and all these COVID-related buzzwords, um, he created that commission with the singular effort of eliminating the digital divide that exists in Louisiana by 2029. Okay. And so that vision was was the charge of the governor back in 19. In the 2020 regular session, um, uh, Representative uh, Desitel and Senator Beth Mizell then created this office that the governor signed into law. And then this past regular session, the representative Desitel, um, and then I think Senator Mizell created the Gumbo Act, which is our state broadband grant program. Mm-hmm. The governor signed into law, which we're now going to, we're in the throes of implementing very soon. Got you. Well, I would back up even a step further just to bring you a national kind of 30,000 foot view. So around that same time, I would offer that uh, our federal government had, had struggled with uh, figuring out the rural broadband uh, issue because it takes a lot of dollars. So the federal government uh, gets involved, but it it also takes a very localized approach as far as building out a network. So uh, just from a Farm Bureau historical perspective, this is a similar issue to what Farm Bureau was founded on over 100 years ago with other rural issues where you have a very expensive venture, uh, i.e., roads or rural electricity or rural insurance, other things that our members for years find themselves up against when it takes uh, government intervention to get something done. How do we have a voice to make that happen throughout the rural countryside? In this decade, that issue is rural broadband. So Mm -hmm. you saw uh, things about that two year ago time frame, thankfully, uh, our governor picked up this issue and, and as Vanice said, uh, found some 
legislators in the state that had interest in it as well. And so we've we've got the ball rolling uh, on how we're going to tackle that on a more state level, local uh, localized level, because I, it's in my opinion, I think that's what it's going to take. Because you see, if you look at the federal level, there's three different agencies large federal agencies trying to tackle this and they kind of pass the ball around on who's leading the charge and and so it's it gets complicated but thankfully we're we're taking some steps here in the state right and it's a you said it, it's complicated this is a very complex uh issue to address and expensive <laughs> super yeah. expensive what, so, what, what are y'all so seeing? i'll tell you where the complexity is lying in and based on you know we've had the fortune and privilege as an office to have probably visited half the parishes throughout the state. And in any type of meeting, in any type of town hall, we're meeting with legislators, farmers, the local chambers of commerce, families, parents, um, law enforcement, um, school board people, you name it, we have it um, in, in those meetings. You know, for us, that's really encouraging because that it shows that at the local level, there's a lot of motivation and a sense of urgency for which they want to solve this problem. But when we look at the digital divide problem, it's really a problem of three pillars. The first is access. And I think everyone knows what that means, right? The second is affordability. We have a good chunk of Louisianians that just can't afford basic broadband. And the third is digital literacy. There's up to 462,000 Louisianians between 18 and 64 that lack basic literacy skills to understand what to do with it when they do have broadband. And we're not talking about coding and programming and doing all the stuff they're doing in Silicon Valley. We're talking about facilitating a telehealth visit, mm. for instance, um, paying bills online. Um, it's like creating email addresses? Creating email addresses. Okay. So, so when, when, when we talk about eliminating the digital divide, it's not just an access issue that we have to solve by 2029, but it's an affordability issue and it's a literacy issue. Oh, and I, we, so I think for, for the farm community, I would say most of those pillars ring true. I would say that if you ranked them the way that you, you laid them out, uh, accessibility uh, is our number one issue. Yeah. I think you would see um, most, most of our members, um, would figure out a way to use it, but there certainly is some of that in that this technology as it comes online, how do you stay up with it? How do you uh, implement it? In a, and then the affordability piece is also a big part of that. So when we talk about the access issue, especially among your constituents and all the farmers, we're talking about wireless issues, wireless coverage, right? And then we're talking about broadband, fixed wireless, or and fixed wireless is the stuff you put on water towers. Mm -hmm. or fiber to the home. So it's really, th those are the three technology challenges. For the farmer that's out on the field, it's going to be cellular coverage. Once the farmer is back home with their families, it's going to be broadband connectivity to the home, right? Both involve different types of technology. And so what one of the things that we're doing as an office is while our focus is on the fiber to the home, providing access, the fixed wireless, really helping impact the families, we need to also understand where the gaps are in cellular coverage. And so what we're doing in our office is geospatial data. So we're looking at all the 
areas within the state where there are cell towers and then where there aren't cell towers and understanding what that investment would cost if we were to fill that gap. And so we're overlaying those cell towers that are non-existent in areas that are, you know, they're corn, there's um, soybean, there's sugarcane, and so on and so forth. Once we understand that gap and we understand the cost, and I think we can we can start to work on federal solutions, local solutions to addressing that. Well, that's one piece here recently uh, that we've tried to get a little more involved with as far as because that's what I share with you ahead of time. And Joe, I would I would ask you, I don't know about on the state level, which is what I'm asking you, but on the national level, from our membership perspective, our policy book, we haven't had a lot of noise around this issue from our members besides, yeah, we need it. Uh, beyond that, we don't have a lot of just at the at the we're legislature. In, we're in great support of it when the pieces of legislation come up, like Beneath was saying earlier in the past three years. We're 100% in support of it. Uh, definitely Farm Bureau support is sought out on such an issue, but uh, we, we attend every meeting and make sure that we, we do know that, uh, we do let everybody know that agriculture and Farm Bureau is in support and in need of broadband, uh, probably more than any other constituency in the state. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, rural, agricultural being, you know, predominantly one and the same, so. Yeah, but um, I, but we haven't. It, it hasn't been a spearhead issue for us that we've that we've uh, got out in front of. Well, and that's where I was headed because I think, and what I was sharing with Beneath uh, before we started recording is, I feel like our members are having trouble. We like to get behind solutions. We yeah. don't just want to be the people at the Capitol yeah. or in Washington reiterating problems. We like to be down there to help offer solutions. And this is one issue that we're having a hard time finding, you know, solutions to get behind. But the providing the the data behind where the need is and to help with mapping efforts is something we've recently gotten involved with. Uh, and then what we're doing today and what we hope to continue from this is to help you find those stories yeah. uh, because that is, is that what it's going to take is finding these real stories uh, to attach to, to this issue that, to, to point out where these needs are. Yeah. So let me, let me take a step back on the solutions um, because the ag industry is very solutions oriented, right. And very driven. Um, so we know what the problems are. So let's, let's not dwell on the problems. And I'll, let me talk about tactically what we're doing in the state. The first thing is to addressing the access issue. The under then Commissioner Pai at the FCC in the previous administration, um, he created a program called the Rural Digital Opportunities Fund. And last fall of 2020, the FCC uh, decided to award 13 companies in Louisiana $342 million over the next 10 years to build out in 170 to build high-speed internet to 175,692 households in Louisiana locations, which are households and businesses, which could include farms. Um, most of which those areas are north of I-10, so central, northeast, really where your your agricultural belt uh, lies in the state. So that's a process that um, the FCC is currently evaluating. You know, we're continuing to tell the FCC, please move faster. Right, because the sooner they can move faster on approving the final technical um, specs of these applications of these thirteen companies, and the sooner then they can start to build out. Of course, we've got our gumbo program, which is 
177 million. And I think we expect to impact you know, between 90, 95,000 locations, which could be a combination of households, you know, businesses, farms, et cetera. And so between Ardoff and us, if executed, we should solve within the next five to six years, 65, 70% of the problem. Um, you know, going back to the infrastructure bill, you know, should it go through the house and based on what we see, um, you know, and it has to pass through the house, you know, Louisiana stands to get another good chunk of money on the broadband side. Where it's going to be really interesting is um, whatever we invest in through Gumbo, RDOF has to result in scalable technologies, right? And I think 5G is going to play an, an important role. Again, cellular towers are going to play a, an important role for for farmers. So that the cellular piece is a part of the the gumbo. So our focus framework. in gumbo is to invest in uh, fixed wireless and fiber to the home. Okay. Anything that's above twenty five three speeds, twenty five download, three upload, which, you know, that's how the FCC defines broadband speeds. I think before the pandemic, that could have been okay for a family of four. You know, we're still in the in the throes of the pandemic. Um, I don't think that's adequate enough. You think we need uh, more speed? Yeah. Well, I, you can, know, I mean, you know that. I can testify that because that is the only thing that is available, fixed wireless. And that yeah. was recently available where we live. And before that, it was only HughesNet, which you know is not. <laughs> and fixed wireless is still basically satellite internet. Yeah. So the fixed wireless, look, it's... Uh, this is where it becomes really interesting because there are different technologies. You have people like, you know, Amazon and Starlink, SpaceX, that's de developing a better satellite solution. Um, you know, by the way, you know, kudos to Starlink for helping the folks. They continue to help the first responders and the folks impacted by Ida with some of their solutions. So they've got a bunch of satellites in in um, Ida affected areas and in, in Terrebonne, et cetera. Um, our focus within Gumbo is non-satellite. We're not investing in satellite technologies. We're really investing in fiber to the home. We're skewing and our preference is fiber to the home. And we're going to pay up to 80% of those capital expenses. So it should, the reasons for a telecom provider to perhaps not invest in an area because of capital expenses, hopefully will not be that same argument they make because now we can pay up to 80% of those costs. Well, this, and this is a question that I have for you because we have fixed wireless, but it, I mean, it is through a satellite. Yeah. And so there's a coverage map and we're on the very corner of where that fixed wireless is available. Most of the time it is, you're right. It is adequate internet. The speeds, you know, range from 20 to 25 megabits per second, which yeah. is not, great by any means but it's suitable if the weather is bad that's another challenge because on a day like today yeah. if you've got something that anything that would that would normally interfere with our dish television satellite yeah. interferes with the internet and my fear was when because i contacted you know we live in south of natchez so with, that's not in louisiana but when we moved to to this new home and I discovered that internet there wasn't there is no line option available yeah. the first thing I did was contact our senators in Mississippi and my fear was when all of this rural broadband act started passing and I was celebrating I said 
but are they going to consider fixed wireless? Would that be considered broadband? So would they say, well, you've got internet? Yeah. So <laughs> I know that's a complicated question, but. So this is where it becomes really tricky. Yeah. Right? And that's why we're encouraging and we're thrilled that the Farm Bureau is pushing out the speed test because we're encouraging folks to do those speed tests at home mm -hmm. um, and to do those speed tests multiple times a day and to do those speed tests, not at 3 a.m. So a provider right. may tell you, sure, you have high speed broadband. And then the argument then is, sure, I have it, but not at the times when I need it. Mm. So, um, so our program, and I think any future programs is going to really be focused on speed. So the higher the speed, the mm. better. And what can provide the best speeds right now is fiber. Right. Um, what can provide the best speeds are a combination of fiber and fixed wireless. Right. So the folks in East Carroll Parish, for instance, the folks there are considering a solution in Lake Providence where it's you bring fiber to the home to anchor institutions mm -hmm. like, you know, your local um, primary care provider, your local municipal buildings, businesses, your main street, et cetera. And then once you have fiber to there, then you do fixed wireless for households. Right. But the fact that you have fiber there, it's encouraging because then you continue to build that fiber as soon as we get more and more financial resources. Well, in your example is, and just to fill in that national gap there, that's been a lot of the narrative, um, particularly from one of your senators in Mississippi who uh, is the ranking member on commerce, Roger Wicker. He's He's been one of the loudest voices nationally on the the mapping that FCC and some of the other entities have it's very that speed. shows somebody like you has high speed internet to, to say, well, that's not necessarily the case. And to get down into some of those finer details, because if we're going to be spending the kind of money that it takes to get you what you really need, then we need to make sure it's going where it's really needed. That's what that when you talk about it, it's not just a parish by parish or county by county issue. It's it's even further. It's like a zone in because the majority of the population in Adams County, where I live, is in Natchez. Well, they have, you know, all the way to the outskirts, about five miles from where I live. The majority of the county does have high speed Internet options, but you've got a swath of and it's not a lot of the population but the the story is the same for rural america you know whether it's louisiana or mississippi there's not a lot of the population that's in these areas that have connectivity issues access issues i wanted to go back real quick you were mentioning thousands hundreds of thousands of households earlier and you said that's about 60 percent how many, where are those numbers coming from? Do we have a number of households that we consider in Louisiana that are not, don't have access to broadband? What's, so what are I those think, numbers about? So we have, I think, at least 300, 350,000 households in Louisiana that don't have what we think is adequate broadband speeds. Got you. And are those going to be just people that are further from the city? Yeah. I mean, it's, hubs? yeah. So it's going to be people living in East Carroll. It's going to be people living in Grand Parish. It's going to be people living in, Tangipahoa. I mean, it's going to be in, in non-dense urban right. areas. And Vineeth, what was the uh, percentage on, I mean, the number on literacy? It's about 462,000. Okay. I think everyone goes through this. 
my parents are what, 75, 67. They live in Florida. I get a call every other day. Venice, I got to go to CVS. Where do I go fix my appointment? It's basic stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And look, to be fair, it is really hard to change, especially my parents. You tell them, I mean, they're used to going to the doctor, picking up a phone. They just got used to the fax machine. (laughs) Yeah. Using a fax. And they're, you know, the printer now, they're thrilled because the printer is connected to the computer. And then suddenly you tell them, no, you got to go and uh, do an appointment on CVS or go to my charts and look at your charts. And, Mm You know, that's why, you know, every quarter, you know, I go and, all right, let's, I'm, I'm going to be your little geek squad for, mm-hmm. for the funny. hours. I got a whole commercial progressive insurance <laughs> about teaching people how not to turn out to be like you, their parents. Now <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting. So that's why that's an issue that we have to address. And, right. you know, as we start, start talking about precision agriculture and all the gizmos and gadgets, you're telling farmers, you know, you know, suddenly you can improve your operating expenses through precision agriculture, but we're going to have to coach folks up on. I was on about to say stuff. that's a, that's an issue. I think that would hit home for a lot of farmers and ranchers that are, you know, everything that they do is on a computer in the tractor, yeah. whether it's an iPad or their phone or the computers actually in the tractor. And that's a literacy issue that my husband is 32, however old he is, but he, he, he constantly, gets frustrated with his, you know, family members and older people that are helping them on the farm that are running. He said, it, go to the homepage. Go, and it's just the most basic things about running. So maybe that's something that we can work on together. Yeah. Right. I think there's an opportunity for our office and, and the Farm Bureau here to um, bridge that knowledge gap when right. it comes to technology. Right. I think there are folks and we talked about a number of farmers that have quickly been your early adopters of technology mm-hmm. and it's improving their bottom line and it's increasing productivity, you know, whether it's specialty crops or row crops or what have you. Right. Um, but then, and this is what we are seeing. There's a lot of folks in Louisiana that still struggle with basic, what is broadband, what it isn't, why is it important and how do you get organized? Mm-hmm. And so we put out this broadband toolkit as a document for parish leaders to get organized and they're doing so. So we've got, you know, towns as small as Goldana who, um, yes, we're all in and broadband. They're organizing places like Livingston Parish and Grand Parish and Acadiana and Tangipahoa, they're all getting organized. But then there are also parishes like, you know, Morehouse and, and, and others that we haven't really reached out to that we need to. So part of it is bridging that knowledge gap. And so we're happy to work with you guys on that when it comes to ag tech and anything tech related. It's interesting. I was thinking when you mentioned Tinsall Parish that so much of the Delta where, where it's so much farm community and a lot of that, that's the, that's the industry that drives the economic industry that drives all of those parishes along the Mississippi. Right. Those are the areas that have the least access to technology, whether it's cell phone reception or, and it's a, it's a big problem when you talk about the rural community. Oh, and it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. So yeah. how do you teach somebody, you know, digital literacy if they don't have the, you know, right. accessibility? Right. So it's it's not something we can do one or the other. It's we have to do all of it at That's once because correct. as, the, you know, as they gain access to it, you know, there has to be a learning side. And we've, we've seen some other, it's kind of fringe things, but I know uh, Joe in the state legislature, we've seen some things on uh, promoting 
um, more education through our technical schools for more um, uh, for more training on on fixing equipment and a lot of that will be a younger generation that has that uh, digital literacy and and those folks get a job working on tractors for a little while and they they understand the technology a lot of times you'll see them uh, get picked up by a farm as a farm manager and be in charge of all of the the uh, connectivity side or just it's it's a comprehensive approach that's why I let off this whole thing with saying this is one of the kind of paramount issues for somebody like a farm bureau it's kind of our generational yeah. long-term goal of something that's going to take lots of different things uh to really be successful at the end and of the he's day. making a good point some pieces of our farmers equipment are so complicated and technical we had to pass laws and create schools for them to go train locally and 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 yeah it's great for the communities but i mean it was impossible for the farmers to keep up with the technology, quite frankly, and the smaller the farm operation, the more difficult it becomes. So it's that's why it's it's amazing. Like when we drove, when my wife and I drove to uh, Lake Providence a couple of weeks ago, um, and you drive through those those uh, parishes to see these farms with these multi million dollar combines, mm-hmm. right? Which are really like transformers, right? I mean, these things are so modern it could pilot itself. But to, to see the challenges that the farmers would have in some of these very, very, very rural communities that have these very expensive machines, you know, for me, it's mind boggling because that's that juxtaposition mm-hmm. of 22nd century, 21st century equipment on a on a, you know, farmland um, is something that we need to address. Pretty well, quickly. a lot of it's operated, that equipment's operated by computer. So if right. a chip goes out or a circuit board goes That's out, right. it's I, not like you run down to the, the local hardware store, Ace Hardware, and say, well, I, need a, I need a bolt to yeah, fix Yeah, and this. a lot of this, that, that this problem to me is from the manufacturers. Of, it's just like a Samsung washer and dryer, for instance, like a lot of your basic, not mechanic, but um, appliance, appliance, yeah. appliance operators won't, like in our rural area, won't work on those because... They don't have the, it's a computer that plugs into a computer to tell you what's wrong with it, the right. washer and dryer. Well, the, those tractors, combines, they're all built the same way. They don't want you to be able to work on them. Well, and Senator Brett Allen, I think, knew that mm-hmm. two years ago, three years ago when he filed that bill and was able to bring all of those manufacturers to the table. And they were, uh, quote unquote, in support of it. No, I'm just kidding. They were in support of it. And they've shown support ever since in the establishment and uh, building of the schools. Well, I knew before we got started, before we hit record, that this was going to spin <laughs> off into a right to repair debate. But that is not what uh, Connect LA is is here to visit with us about. But one thing we haven't touched on that, that this does relate to is if you're going to have people to work on your farm that, that are qualified to operate a half a million dollar combine or, uh, to even you to live near your farm, to, uh, troubleshoot things. I mean, farming's a 24 hour a day job a lot of the time, but we have folks that, uh, I believe in the meeting that you were at, uh, Patrick Frischertz was telling us that, uh, he and his wife and their family may have to move across the river into Baton Rouge because uh, for her career, she doesn't have the broadband access. She's a doctor, right? Right. And so we hear that all over the state, not just for the farm family, but then the, the support network that it takes, you know, for the, the people that farms want to employ that quality of life piece we haven't touched Mm -hmm. on. 
you know, spouses of farmers have jobs also that sometimes require the same connectivity and then just the quality of life, education and telemedicine and all these things that I know connect LA is involved with, uh, you know, that that's not precision ag technology, but at the end of the day, our members need good health care. They need good education. All the other things y'all are working in comes yeah, so, back to what we're see, trying to look, do. So that's why I, I fundamentally broadband is really um, the anchor point for a variety of different things, mm-hmm. right? So improved healthcare outcomes in these very rural areas, getting access to a primary care doctor is really difficult. Getting access to a specialist, right? A dermatologist or a radiologist, right? Um, that's very and, true. It's, it's really difficult. And so um, if it's going to cost, you know, a family, let's say a farmer's family, a day to travel an hour and a half, two hours to go see a doc, to come back. I mean, that's lost productivity from a farmer's perspective, but also that really degrades quality of life. And so that's why it's critically important, even from from a healthcare perspective, schooling perspective, even doing business from from home perspective, that it's that's really important. The other thing is from a from a spouse perspective, there's this whole now movement of working from home, right? Remote workforce. I think in certain cases, working there are a lot of jobs where you can work from home. And so Walmart, uh, for instance, there's a foundation called Heartland Forward out of in Bentonville. And they are a foundation that focuses on the 20 states, include Louisiana included. So it's really Iowa, uh, you know, Kansas, Illinois, Indiana, sort of really sort of the Bible belt of, of the country. And they identified through some research, some really interesting jobs that will uplift um, states like Louisiana and some of these other states out of poverty. Um, one of the jobs they interestingly said was customer service agents. Those jobs can be done at home, provided that there is good access hmm. to the internet. Right. And they paid, you know, it's, I guess, an increasingly decent wage. And so we've talked to them about what's that landscape look like in a market like Louisiana? Because if you think about it, if we're going to make all this money, if we're going to invest all this money, gumbo, Ardolf, whatever happens in the infrastructure bill, um, towards improving broadband access, then companies are going to require more and more employees to service the needs of those new customers that are coming online, which then means who's going to help service those folks. And so if we can, you know, get access to folks in Louisiana, then they can certainly take on those customer service jobs part-time to just add extra income to their families. So those are the kinds of conversations that we're having with industry partners, foundations to understand how we can help create that economic development gap as well, solve that gap. Well, I think that's important for any of our members listening out there that I think uh, I'll say that Farm Bureau needs to do a better job of in our parish level government and just that local level of, you know, you you listed off some parishes that were getting organized and ones that weren't. Um, it doesn't matter where you, you know, which parish you're, you're living, check and see if they're getting organized, help get them organized, you know, check around, get involved with things like Connect LA that are trying to bring this to you uh, and and do it in a, a as efficient of a way as we possibly can. And there's, you know, there's national things too, but if, uh, if you don't get in line at the local level to set yourself up for it, uh, somebody's going to be ahead of you and, and have a better opportunity. 
so from what I've gathered from what you said, if somebody's listening to this and they're this is a major issue for them, they don't have any access or, you know, cell phone issue. The most important thing that they can do right now is take that speed test. Yeah. That okay. So, so that, taking that speed test, which is I think it's found on our website if you go right. to connect.la and it's it's takes ninety seconds, if not sooner. So yeah, that's that's something oh, that we can put a so, link so to. So take the speed test. The second thing is I mentioned affordability. There is a program that the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, is pushing called the Emergency Broadband Benefit Program. It is a program that allows for folks that do have broadband, right, or internet, to get $50 off their monthly bills. And it's for folks that fall under one of these eligibility criteria. A, either A, you're 135% below the poverty line. B, you have someone in that family that's on a federal Pell Grant. C, um, they have experienced a catastrophic loss of income due to the pandemic. D, they're on free and reduced lunch. Or E, they're on SNAP. If one of those members of a family satisfies one of those eligibility criteria, then it's a quick process to apply for that money. It's uh, $50 a month. If you're on tribal areas, it's obviously 75 bucks a month. But since May 12th, when we pushed that program out locally, we've had over 143,000 Louisianians already get benefit, mm. which is substantial. And so what I'm encouraging your listeners is to go to connectla.gov. It's that information's on our website and it's a really quick, easy form to fill out. And there is still... Lots and lots and lots of money still available for folks to avail of that program. Mm. And it's first come, first serve. And so on my last check yesterday, it was, I think, $3.2 billion, which was the federal um, authorization for this program. I think only $400 million has been redeemed, which means there's probably another $2.7, $2.8 billion that's left. Wow. But do locals know how to get to it or that it's yes. even there? So that's that's why we need to continue. Yeah, to, we need to continue to beat that drumbeat and just mm -hmm. let everyone know because, you know, when we pushed it out May so Louisiana's actually we do we're doing a really good job relative to other states, um, in terms of number of beneficiaries, um, and the White House recognizes it. They're actually very happy that we've got a lot of people benefiting from their program. You know, it's May twelfth when you pushed it out. It's been a couple of months. I think people have forgotten. Obviously, life happens. Yeah. So, um, we just a lot of life. A lot of life. That's right. <laughs> So we just need folks to continue to get the word out because that that program is still available. Let me ask this. What's going on, I guess, moving Connect LA forward and gumbo? What's going on on the state level, federal level? Obviously, the infrastructure bill you're talking yeah. about that, you know, has to make its way through whatever. And what's still happening, I guess? Is there action that grassroots, the grassroots of Farm Bureau can get behind? Other than just doing a 90 second speed test. I want to jump on? in right here on this. Okay. Because it, it goes back to something Andy said earlier. He said, you know, this is important to us. Um, and, he, and he said, Joe, do you sense that, you know, it's been a spearhead issue for us at the state level or at the federal level? And my answer was no, it hasn't been. It's like so many other issues for agriculture. It's something that's important to us, but we're not at the helm shaping the issue. The, the, the groups that are there at the helm are the, are the companies and the groups that stand to benefit financially from these investment dollars coming down from the feds and coming down from the state. So what we've talked about here this morning is, is, is federal investment, state investment, 
the need to identify, you know, identify the need, uh, mapping, planning, but we haven't talked about implementation. So that's where I think it gets really sticky because the people that are trying to shape the laws that would funnel the money, the investment money down to the local area. Okay. They're, they're crafting the laws. Well, it's to their benefit to shape the laws so that they can go into an area that's already got a digital footprint, for example. You know, it's already got a market established. It's easier for them to go in there and, and, and cherry pick that market. Other big companies already set it up. So where does that leave the, the, the extreme rural area? You know, the uh, farm that really needs it out in the mm-hmm. rural area, the farms that need it out there. But it's just not worth the investment for these companies that shape the laws to uh, go out there and run that uh, har- hardware. Well, I think we heard a really good example of just one idea, but I totally agree, Joe. That that's where I was getting out of start to get organized locally. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a grassroots issue at its core, and while it's the money's coming, I mean the the federal government is a bipartisan issue at this point. Both sides of the aisle want to see broadband dollars get back to their constituents. There's not an elected official in D.C. that doesn't have constituents telling them, I need broadband. So that that it's not our traditional national advocacy issue like taxes and other things that we're working on right now. I feel like I'm safe to say that more broadband money is coming. So no doubt. instead of... Needs to be directed properly is my only point. Right. So to engage our grassroots, instead of our normal request of call your senators, call your congressman, um, call your police jury, call your mayor, call your uh, localized. Well, your, it, your electrical co-op is a good call, place to start. Yeah, you know, just they, start looking locally at how you can set we yourself up. We passed a law a couple of years ago to say electrical co-ops can get into a uh, memorandum of understanding. You know, or and co-ops are an eligible applicant for our gumbo program. See, exactly. So that so, our, so members, our membership could reach out. We could reach out to our membership. They could reach out to that membership. You know. So you. I understand they have Kristen a new executive Landon, director in your community, y'all our farm bureau members and your farmers, but you know, y'all are also involved in other areas of your community that, that type family. Well, that's what I was, what I, what I gathered from you is you, you need stories. You need personal stories of, of farmers, families. This is a problem. And that would that be beneficial? So, so a couple of things. So the organizing is always an awesome opportunity for folks to get engaged. This is a very, very complex subject because to your point, Andy, we got to, we got to tackle this not in sequence, ABC. We got to tackle this all at the same time, given that 2029 20 vision that we have to eliminating this divide. The reason why we're spending so much time on the road is, frankly, it's a local issue. Second, it's personal. And third, it is probably the number one, two or three economic development issue that we hear all the time, especially in rural areas. So this is really the lifeblood. And so we need parishes we need local people to take advantage of all of this one-shot deal that we have to solving this problem once and for all and to get organized and um a lot of parishes are are moving ahead and are getting really organized which is great there are other parishes that are a little bit behind but that's they could catch up really easily with our help and and with your with your membership help so that's that's one thing and then second is you know what we want to start to articulate um, Kristen from our office is 
those human impact stories, whether in healthcare, whether in education, because we need to continue to beat that drumbeat on the struggles that people have with broadband and why it's deterring their ability to be successful in life, but also what people have done from a solutions perspective to improving their life. And so we need those human impact stories that we can bubble up at the state office, that we're bubbling up, that we can bubble up at the national level. Um, and, and part of it is, I think we have a really unique opportunity um, to really talk to the private sector, to really talk to companies who can play an important role in solving the digital problem. And I'll give you an example. We talk about John Deere here a lot. There are 355 towns in Louisiana that have less than 6,000 people. Where do most people do their shopping? Walmart. Walmart or online. No, but we're talking about rural areas. Tullus, Louisiana, Kuldana. Whatever what's the, gonna, what's, what's the gonna, gas stations or what, whatever, whatever's close. Dollar General. Dollar General. I don't know and why so, I didn't think about that. So if you think about it, if you travel around the state, if you travel around Mississippi, you travel anywhere, you'll see a Dollar General in every small there, yeah. nook and cranny. I would die for a Target in our town and we've got $5 <laughs> Generals. But, you know, but look at what's on top of a Dollar General. Look at it. Look at what's on top of a roof of each of dollar. You'll see a little satellite dish because Dollar General, a Fortune 90 company, has the same broadband problems as Joe and Jane down the street. A, but B, they can help solve a lot of problems given how big they are. And so we have conversations with companies often who say, Vineeth, we want to help, but they're also trying to figure out how to they need help. help too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, I need help from a Dollar General, but how do I get engaged in the community? Right. How do I get engaged in, um, you know, Parish X, you know? And so there's a lot of willingness among, I would imagine the John Deere's, the Dollar Generals, maybe even the Cargill's, um, you know, Monsanto, whomever, right? To want to help solve, you know, AT&T or whomever, right? Who, who have an expressed interest in trying to solve this problem, but they're seeking guidance locally on what's happening at the ground level to help them understand from a policy perspective, but also tactics, what they can do. That's such a great point, because if there is one thing, if there is one landmark, I don't know why I didn't think of it, that Dollar General is, <laughs> you may not have a Target or a Walmart close, but. So, and we're talking most, Dollar General. Yeah. We're, because. Imagine the data that they get for every shot. You know, it was interesting. We were in, I think, Mansfield in DeSoto Parish or, mm -hmm. or um, um, one of those I areas. I think it's DeSoto. I think DeSoto. And one of the community members, we were in a gym, and one of the community members said, yeah, our Dollar General is our community center. <laughs> That's where people socialize maybe after church. They go and after church, they buy and, and then they cook. And so that's why they have a singular, you know, they have an important role to play. They want to play a role and we're talking to them. And and we're actually having a conversation in the next couple of weeks to talk about what they can do to help. And solve. it's funny because a lot of the ones, you know, they're, they're corporately owned, but the managers that do the day-to-day -day running of the stores, like the one in Monterey, one of Landon's relatives. So mm -hmm. like- They're affected just the same. Yeah. As so yeah. they're ones that could- could really spearhead this this issue, yeah, yeah. Or that could could in terms of getting corporations like, and that's why I think you guys have the the heft 
um, you know, and maybe that's where we can, you know, work together on convening some of the private sector based on, you know, organized efforts locally to say, hey, these are our top two, three, four, five issues. We have data within our office that we can provide on a per parish basis. What's the size of the access issue? Like how many households don't have it? Um, how many people are, are lack the digital literacy skills and the affordability? So we have a lot of that data on a per broken down on a per parish basis. So. Well, I can tell you that we appreciate sitting here with you and talking about this because all we've ever uh, experienced before is, hey, Farm Bureau, we filed a bill on broadband and uh, we think it's important to you yeah. because of A, B and C. Well, all I'm hearing at that point, Vanith, is uh, they can't pass the bill without us, but they didn't check with us beforehand to see how the bill should be crafted. There are no personal stories of farmers out front when it's being pre presented to the legislature because- we're not the ones presenting it. It's the people that would, you know, benefit from it. So well, I, maybe. Can I can help you with some personal stories because <laughs> yeah, I was so excited when well, he told me when he called to say, "Do you want to come be a part of this?" You're not. You're you're more like the broadband Santa Claus. In my I don't opinion, know about Santa Claus. So that's uh, Santa Claus is. <laughs> and I'm going to make a wish list. Of my Santa address. Claus is on a different strata. I mean, he 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 takes care of everybody. But you have the potential. Kids. I'm telling you, you could. No, look, I, look, I'm having. It's this is for me a, a debt of gratitude coming. Look, I grew up in Baton Rouge. I left in '97. You know, Joe and I have known each other for 20 years. So, um, you know, Joe, you know, said you need to come back eventually. And, and oh, we always talked about you. We talked about back. Yeah, all, and rather than complain, and a lot of people complain about Louisiana. There's, look, every state has challenges, but I just think that Louisiana has some really unique. Um, characteristics i'm not talking about just the culture and the food right but just in people that really is going to position us in the long run to be very successful in eliminating this digital divide so that's why i came back right a couple of years ago after 20 years so i want to throw this out there since you're bringing up being away what what is your background before your role in connect la just real quick so so my parents um they immigrated from india 1970s so last year two years ago was their 50th year in this country and we're grateful to the U.S. In fact, they moved to the Mississippi. My dad got his Ph.D. in Mississippi State. Hey. Oh, so, hey. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's right. So we're grateful to, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi for giving our family the opportunity to, you know, be successful. Right. right. And so they uh, spent their first 10 years between Starkville and Jackson. And then um, LSU gave them an opportunity to come move to Baton Rouge in 1979, 1980. And so my dad was um, the chairman of the computer science department at LSU for a long time. Gotcha. So two brothers, and then I, uh, older brother, I'm the middle. I went to Purdue undergrad. So I understand the importance of agriculture. You didn't talk ag at all there, <laughs> yeah. did you? <laughs> they don't talk ag at Purdue. <laughs> but um, I was there uh, between 97 and 01, and then uh, was in Asia for eight years, DC for eight years, and then came back. Got you. So a lot of uh, policy, very little policy. Oh, really? A lot of it was very much. This is the problem, and then working with the private sector, let's come up with the tactics. Got you. Well, I think this is a good way to wrap up because the the message I want to leave with our members is this little example today of just the connections and ideas and personal stories is we feel like at least I sense that our membership feels like we've been talking about broadband forever, mm -hmm. but we're just getting started on a very long-term solution for rural broadband. I'm excited to hear that 
Benice shared with us, you know, their goals of, of what I think is a pretty quick turnaround of five yeah. or six years to solve the percentages that, that he listed off to us. But like a game plan. Just a just a now, as Joe likes to always tell us, you know, we've we've been at the table on broadband. Don't get me wrong. Farm Bureau's not not at the table on broadband, but we if we're going to be at the table, we want to have we, we want to be a part of set the placemats and the menu. And, you <laughs> we, know, we want to be you know, out ahead of this issue and offering solutions. So just to our members, to our listeners, please don't get fatigue on this issue so bad that that we that we lose our spot at the table or that we don't have. And I would offer to Vanith and the governor's office publicly. I know you know this one on one, but Farm Bureau is an extensive resource and we, we offer that resource to you and your efforts in the governor's office. But, you know, it, it, please include us is yeah, all absolutely. I'm asking. Yeah. You know, include us up front. And, and you're doing that. And that's what I'm thanking you for here today. Yeah, absolutely. That'll make all the difference in the world. Yeah, yeah and you say, and also though, one of our best, our best resource is our people and our mm-hmm. network and our stories. So I think, I think we can leverage that and, and uh, engage our membership. And I think that's something that look makes us, makes us valuable, makes us a valuable so partnership. My dad always tells me, don't build castles in the air. So I'm, I'm a pretty pragmatic guy. At the end of the day, it's rolling up the sleeves and just getting stuff done. You know, um, if we're not on power guys, I would use a different word, but it's just at the end of the day, you just got to get stuff done. So look, I am bullish that we're going to solve this problem. And I feel very confident we'll solve this problem. And I think that confidence stems, of course, we've got a lot of federal money, but that confidence really stems from having conversations with folks like you guys at the Farm Bureau and across the board, healthcare sector, education, from the governor to the you know police jury, to everyone who are all singularly aligned on a issue. And that one issue is solving that digital divide. And so... I think that's why that's where we get fed at the that's our sort of fuel to our fire at the Connect LA office. That's why we have a sense of urgency that we want to operate. And that's why we actually have a two, two and a half year timeline for that 177 million for gumbo, not to just to commit that money, but to commit and spend. So you're going to see a lot of construction going around throughout the state over the next couple of years. That's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, Joe, Vanith, Andy, Kristen, thank you all so much yeah, for absolutely. Uh, being here. You didn't even get to your numbers here. We talked no. about ag earlier, but uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I and, think this is just the start of, I think, well, I hope we see Vanith. Uh, he's going to hopefully hit the road with us and, and capture some of these stories. Absolutely. And I think we Santa take this Claus show on the road. Santa Claus coming to a town near here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to quit calling you Santa Claus, though. We can go back to the, the broadband <laughs> czar. The internet guy. I the just, internet guy. Yeah. But, uh, right. yeah, this conversation is just like beginning. Like the cable guy, the, internet guy. We're going we're gonna to take, we're gonna, I think we're going to take Vanith on the road and meet some farmers and hear some more stories because uh, that's that's what that's what we do best is meet and interact with people so yeah I mean that's the best way for us to get out of Baton Rouge and learn at the, at the ground level what's happening right so well thanks for joining us on the Grassroots Government Podcast we'll have a, a lot of links in the description for uh, Connect LA and different toolkits and resources yeah. that are available and uh, the speed test for sure we want to encourage everyone to do that and until next time see you next time on the Grassroots Government Podcast <laughs>